Hello everyone, welcome to the Horse Business Podcast. Today, I am so honored to have Lehua Custer as our guest. Lehua is a USDF gold, silver, and bronze medalist. She is originally from Hawaii, and she's now based in Wellington, Florida. She has achieved great success riding FJ Ramses and Fortunato. Hi, Lehua, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Great, great. So first of all, congratulations on your recent uh, successful participation at the Festival of, of Champions. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Well, it's been a bit of a dream of mine for many years to have the opportunity to attend the Festival of Champions. Uh, I've ridden a lot of young horses over the years, and they have uh, really wonderful young horse divisions, and as well as the small tour and Grand Prix. And I've been riding Ramses for many years. And had always kind of dreamed about that being a potential opportunity for us, but it's a big, it's a big drive and it's not cheap to, to get there. And it, unfortunately we just couldn't make it happen until this past summer, we decided maybe it would be a really fun opportunity to get to travel a bit with him and get to compete. And so it all kind of came together and we were able to do that and ended up being his owner and I driving him the whole way. And that was really fun in a lot of ways. And it's a little <laughs> bit stressful, of course. And yeah. I'm very lucky that a couple of friends um, own farms along the way. And so nice. it's just perfect to stop overnight a couple nights and get to spend quality time with some good friends and and also get to let him rest his legs so it's not all in one one quick um <laughs> short you know not oh, short yeah, but be... <laughs> one mashed in drive yeah so so that was really exciting for me nice how long how long did the drive took we did it over three days there. The first day was about 10 hours because um, Atlanta traffic is much worse than I had anticipated. So we were stuck there for a little while. And then wow. the subsequent two days were about six hours each. Uh, mm -hmm. We stopped over in Kentucky the second night and then drove from Kentucky to Chicago. And there was a time change. So it was nice to see it be an hour earlier by the time we got to Chicago, it gave us more time to settle in and, <laughs> and not feel like we had to have such an early start. And then on the way home, we meant to do it in three days as well. But there was a threat of a hurricane hitting um, the northern part of Florida, right, oh, right as yeah. we were supposed to be driving through. And so we had to <laughs> really shorten our drive and make the first part overnight. And then the second part, we just stopped for a couple of hours and let him stay in a stall and then drove all night to kind mm -hmm. of beat the risk of being caught on the wrong side of of Florida during that little hurricane scare. And there was a lot of worry about tornadoes oh, yeah. and flooding. Oh, wow. And we just, we really wanted to beat it. So that was tough. Oh, <laughs> that yeah, was tough. Sure. I'm not used to big hauls. I'm from Hawaii where we drive, mm. you know, 20 minutes or Los Angeles where everything is, is, you know, within state. So yeah. big, big drives are something still newer for me. For sure. And how do they, how did Ramses do? He's a really great, traveler he's he loves getting on the trailer he's um you know really a good easy guy he doesn't stress out in the trailer um I would want him to drink more water but you know that's yeah. something that we've figured out by taking breaks and and really getting him super hydrated that way um but other right. than that he's he's really wonderful he's He's done a lot of hauling his whole life with me driving to lessons when I, you know, drive in California to to train with my trainers. And so he's used to a lot of hauling, but normally, you know, shorter hauls. <laughs> did you haul him all the way from California too, or did or he flew? We did not. We flew him from okay, California. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. That'll be a long one. It, yep. <laughs> So could you walk us through the, like your background, your journey in the world of dressage and how do you reach that uh, level of, of Grand Prix uh, rider and trainer? Oh, sure. Yeah. So I grew up in Hawaii riding just, I had a really fun Appaloosa that he was a tough guy. He's, he's very stallion-y looking back on it. I didn't know at the time. And uh, he just lived in my backyard and we, you know, ran around like crazy people and I just, <laughs> I, you know sometimes had a saddle, sometimes didn't gallop, you know, <laughs> mostly just really, really had a good time. I mean, I was probably falling off every single day and 
and just kind of that was the very Hawaii thing everyone has a horse in their backyard and it's just really yeah it was really fun and then I moved to California and I had dressage trainers when I was on Maui too I rode with with some nice um clinicians that would fly in you know it's hard to Mm -hmm. be that isolated and I moved to California and went to college and kind of had to take a break um from riding for a few years and when I was graduating, my mom offered me a riding lesson as a graduation gift. <laughs> and we called around and I didn't have a horse at the time and called around the area and Hilda Gurney immediately offered me um, a lesson slot for, I think that afternoon. And so nice. we drove out and I got to ride a lesson horse and she basically on the spot offered me a position, saddle breaking babies. And so <laughs> I said, absolutely. Wow. And I got to you know, work under her for 10 years. And it was Mm. just amazing. So I really got to see, you know, this breeding side, the training side, the judging side, um, teaching students and presenting horses at breed shows and at stallion testings and mare performance testings. And I just got to see all of it. And she, she really would take the time to teach us anything we'd want to learn if we were willing. And so I'd shadow her at, you know, judges conferences. I'd shadow her when she would judge at huge events and I'd get to kind of travel the world with her and just kind of be a fly on the wall. And it was just (laughs) irreplaceable. Yeah. Amazing time. And so she taught me how to train horses and taught me how to train horses up the levels from, you know, basically conception through birthing them and then training them up. I, the, my last Grand Prix horse before um, the ones I have now um that she gave me as a two-year-old I was there when he was conceived and then I was there when he was born and then she gave him to me when he was about two and then I trained Mm -hmm. him to Grand Prix with her help and you know then I sold him to um a lovely amateur and he's still doing Grand Prix wow so yeah yeah it's you know it's fun to be there for all the steps and that's kind of what Hilda taught me is you know you make the horses that sometimes the opportunity to have them handed to you is not there. And so um, I've done that now. I've had a lot of luck with longtime clients that have wanted me to, to teach their horses and train them and be on the long journey. So it's been really, really fun. That's great. So you were in, in California then, um, and then you moved to Florida just recently or how long ago? Yeah, yeah. So I was in California after I graduated college and I trained there for... Oh goodness, almost 20 years, I think. So mm-hmm. most of my adult life <laughs> was was in Los Angeles. Um, the first 10 years working under Hilda and then the subsequent, I think it was like nine, eight or nine years um having my own training barn and and still being mentored by Hilda and and taking some lessons with some other really fantastic trainers in the area. And then in 2018. I had a really fantastic opportunity to train here in Wellington for a couple of months. And, you know, financially, it was a huge strain on all of us in a lot of ways. But it was also just this idea that if this horse is really special, we were being told that he was a really a special horse. And and we said, well, if he's really that special, let's see what we can what we can do when the focus is just on him. And the intention was just two months of intense training. And I I got here to Florida and thank God his owner told me, just go for it. You know, just <laughs> see what, see what you can achieve. It's hard for her because it's her, you know, at the time it was her only horse and mm. I took him away and then she had nobody to ride and she can't finance a second horse. So, mm. you know, it really changed her dreams a lot and bless her for, you know, for being willing to shift the journey and, and be all in, in a new way. And so we got here and, uh, I want to say a month into the training, I got a phone call from the Dressage Foundation and they broke the news to me that I had um, won the Carol Lavelle high performance uh, grant for $25,000. Nice. And that changed everything. I mean, oh, that yeah. was a, a way to stay. <laughs> to <laughs> it was the confirmation into... from the universe. <laughs> yeah, it really. And then the subsequent year, I we won it again. And so the Dressage Foundation mm-hmm. made it possible for somebody like me and an owner like Wendy to be serious in the sport in a way that wouldn't have been possible. I mean, that's life-changing money for us. And we stretched every little penny of it to last for those two years for lessons and 
showing and, and all of those things for Ramsey's. And it's just, it was amazing. And, and of course, in the middle of all that COVID hit, and now mm, I'm in a new yeah. state and without a training base, oh, you know, without gosh. any clientele, mm. <laughs> without any way to make money. And, you know, I had that amazing cushion from the Shaj Foundation to, to sustain me Continue. and, mm-hmm. yep. And be able to really stay. I mean, there's just no way the first year it helped me to stay in Wellington and the second year it helped me to, or it to really survive here, you yes. know, and, and make a business. And so in that time now it's 2023 and, you know, I've been here since the very end of 2018. So mm-hmm. 20, really the beginning of 2019. So now it's been, you know, a couple of years and I have a wonderful training base and fantastic clients and it's just it's been great. Awesome. Awesome. So um let's talk back to the Festival of Champions. So how was how was your preparation like leading up to the Festival of Champions? How did you and your horse got into um, this top form for this event? Oh that's an excellent question because it is exceptionally hot in Florida. <laughs> and he's a really big horse. Ramsey's is over 17 one he's seven, wow. about 17 two but he's 1600 pounds so he's that's a lot of muscle it's a lot of heat that's built up mm. when he works and he is a very energetic horse very willing very hot um wants to always work hard but you know being really conscious of the extremes of the weather the humidity the heat uh the unrelenting heat it doesn't cool down very much at night and mm-hmm. so we loaded him up with a ton of fans. The barn mm-hmm. owner created new exhaust fans in the barn aisle to, to pull heat away. And we have fans in our arena. We have a covered arena with fans as well. Oh, nice. And so basically what I do is I'd alternate my work days. I do one harder day and one lighter day. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd have to kind of build up to handle the heat a bit um, through the harder work. So working him sometimes in the middle of the day when it was a little bit hotter um, just, just to know that we could kind of stay, stay really fit. But the big thing is you don't want to create so much body heat that the horses are struggling. So we would do really intense sessions of five minutes and then take a big break and douse him with ice water and, and then continue on so that he'd never be stressed. Um, and basically doing that every other day. So it wouldn't be, a lot of days in a row the horse is very confirmed at grand prix at this stage now so now it's just really perfecting the the balance and making sure the half halts come through he's a really really energetic big strong powerful horse mm-hmm. and so the half halts don't always want to come through he wants to just keep on going and mm-hmm. he loves showing and he loves the test and he he knows the different tests now not so much the freestyle but he knows the grand prix and the special and so i have to almost work on making sure he doesn't get ahead of me. Um, so we spent a lot of time schooling that, you know, and then driving up there, we didn't ride for a couple of days. And wow, when I got yeah. there, I really focused on hydration. And so mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to deplete him while we were getting him really hydrated um, the first day or two. And then it was all business. And, you know, it was difficult because we had three days of competition, the which I have never done with him. I've never <laughs> shown a Grand Prix, a special and a freestyle at one show. Mm-hmm. And the middle day was a uh, hundred degrees. And so it was actually, mm-hmm. I think more than a hundred degrees. It was warmer than we've even dealt with at home. At wow, least in five, Chicago. Five, yeah, yeah, it was mm-hmm. really wild. We put five fans in his stall. I mean, we really <laughs> turned it into a, like a tornado so that he would be really fresh <laughs> and cool. Yeah. Um, when he was in his stall, really, mm. really staying cool and comfortable. And he just handled it. His best day was the freestyle. And that's after many days yeah. of, of travel and competition. So I was mm. so, so, so proud of him. And it confirmed to me that I feel like I could handle a lot of days of competition after travel with him. Mm. I, I really, really baby him. I, I, I think he's probably tougher than I treat it, you know, I, <laughs> I just love him so much. I don't ever want him to be uncomfortable. I never right. want him to feel like he's stressed in any way. And so mm-hmm. I really baby him and, and I couldn't as much because we had to kind of get there and get going and, <laughs> and then show all those days. And he just proved that he was a hundred percent up to the challenge. He just felt his best on the freestyle day. And sadly in the Grand Prix special, the second day of competition, it was so, so, so hot. And I put my show coat on and 
we, right before we went in and we wet him down and the steam coming off of him made Mm. me so hot. I almost started to kind of black out a little bit as we went down center line and I turned the wrong direction on center line. So I went off course, which I haven't done with him. (laughs) And when you go off course in a FEI, Mm. you get 2% off your score. So it's not just two points. And Mm. so I knew, you know, immediately from the beginning of my test, if I wanted to come out of it all with an okay score, I had to have the ride of my life. And it, Mm. it was a challenge mentally, but it was also really cool to see like we can rise above and I can improve after something's really kind of crushing at the very, very beginning of a ride. So, you know, I kind of calmed down a little bit, started to breathe, the heat kind of dissipated a little and, and we went for it and it was one of my best rides. And and I think he really enjoyed it too. He loves to show. So <laughs> nice. it was really fun. So it was a really positive <laughs> experience. And because of that um, score, the second day still being pretty okay, yeah. we came out of it, not just winning the freestyle the, f- the third day, but we were a reserve champion across awesome. all three days, which mm-hmm. was a really exciting achievement. And yeah. the champion is a, just a fantastic rider in person and, and has now um, been named to the Pan Am team for this year. So it was really exciting to, to do well myself, but also to see Cody, um, Mm -hmm. just go out there and and do beautifully and, and cement her place, you know, on that team for Pan Am's coming up. So it was really, it was a great week. Really, really fun. Nice, nice, nice. So I really like that, uh, freestyle music you choose. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Like what inspired you to choose that one? You have some Beyonce in there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We've got some fun music. So I really like empowering music. You know, I, I feel like I'm an island sometimes kind of out here, you know, all of us dressage riders, we're, we're kind of doing things on our own. We have to be really mentally strong um, to keep going on the week, week times and the talk times. And his owner, Wendy, feels a bit the same way. You know, we have to just be strong for ourselves, be strong for each other. Um, and we just felt it had to be an empowering type of music. And he's really an upbeat horse. He's got a huge personality. He's just, he's like a horse. Like if he was a person, they'd say like the lights up the room, like he's that kind of horse. Like you walk into Uh the barn and he's blinking his eyes at you and turning his head and, you know, trying to open his gate and wanting to interact with you. It's just very, very personable and a huge personality. So we needed music that was pretty upbeat and empowering and positive. And so we really liked the message. Um, that is connected with those songs and uh, we felt that it matched his beat really well. And so, yeah. And, uh, and I was saying, we did a, a one interview after the, during the competition, like Wendy and I end up having to drive places together, hauling the horse together. A lot of times she'll fly in from California and then we'll, mm. we'll haul the horse to Ocala or we'll halt, you know, just even a short trip um, to the horse shows here in Wellington. And, we're always trying to pump each other up with fun music. And so that's just like exactly what we would put on, on the radio. And so it was seemed like a no brainer to, to kind of pick music that felt good to us. And, and really, I feel like showcase his personality too. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Now I want to go and meet Ramses for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he screams for me when I get to the barn, when he sees my car, he'll uh... come out the back window and scream and, it's just so he's so cute he's just huge he's in wellington right he is yeah Mm -hmm. nice nice so can you can you tell us a little bit more about uh, him how where did the owner found him and and um, what has been his process oh that's a great that's a great story too so wendy has been a client and a friend of mine for 15 years probably almost 20 years now crazy to think about the time going by and (laughs) she had um gone up to Hilda's and taken lessons while I was training there. And so we got to know each other a little bit, you know, I've got the, I was her at Hilda's assistant. So I got a chance to meet a lot of, you know, the local riders and trainers in the area, just, just by being at the barn and um, you know, Wendy's got a huge personality too. And, you know, just a really kind of wonderful, friendly, open person. And so it was fun to get to meet her first, just as a friend. And mm-hmm. then when I moved on and, and had my own training barn, it was at LA Equestrian Center and she had a horse boarded there at the time. And she said, please, please take me on as a student. And I, I had such a great time getting to ride her 
she had a chestnut Irish sport horse and we called him Mr. Belligerent, <laughs> Captain Belligerent, because he just, again, I guess Wendy's got horses with big personalities and he, if he didn't want to do something, he was going to tell you he didn't want to do it. And, but on the flip side, if you got on his good side, he was a really fun horse to train and, you know, not anything huge, spectacular, fancy mover, but we could be very technically correct. And so we ended up training for a couple of years together. I got on him a little bit more later in his career. He was more of a teenager at that point and trained him through probably about third, fourth level. And he did really well, you know, locally and regionally at the at kind of first, second level. And Wendy realized, you know, maybe, maybe I could do well for her with another horse. And so she came to me and, you know, I want to say maybe 2008, 2009 and said, you know, mm. I, I want to buy a warm blood. She'd never owned a warm mm. blood before. And I said, well, what's your budget? And she's like, well, it's, you know, and she said an amount and it's, it's a, you know, smaller than the standard adult warm blood, you know, price tag. And I said, well, we're going to have to look at babies then. And so <laughs> we started looking and we just were online looking and looking and looking for a while. And he came up on a for sale website and he was a yearling. He'd been bred at Cornell university and mm. the woman who owned him, you know, communicated with us really well but he was a little bit higher than what we were you know kind of had set as our budget and so we had to let him go and not purchase him and um someone else purchased him actually oh. and then yeah and then later that year this was I think in the spring and then a hurricane hit this would have been in 2011 a hurricane hit it went all the way up to New York and mm. it flooded and destroyed some of people's uh winter pay that they were going to be putting up yeah mm -hmm. and so the person who had bought him said I can't fund him I can't feed him this winter he's not in my budget so she returned him mm. and very luckily <laughs> that fall we saw the ad for him up again wow. and jumped on it and got him for the the price that we had been hoping for it originally wow, awesome. so it all worked out yeah it worked out really really well I mean too bad for the other person but well yeah. oh well <laughs> and so we brought him to California and, and started training him and the whole idea was for him to be you know a, a, a nice kind of a nicer version of her previous horse you know a good horse that could do really well regionally and she could compete on kind of as far as he could go up the levels and and Wendy's a really nice rider and really wanted a chance to get a little more serious in the show ring and and so the idea was I'd train him for, you know, a year or two, kind of get him going and get him showing and, and then hand the reins over to her. And he was fine. He was a nice-ish, you know, mover, mm -hmm. lovely, no problems, nothing special. And when he was four and five, he, he did well, you know, he did really nicely um, at the local shows. And then at six, he got fancy. And then at seven, I said to her, you know, I did well. We showed second level, you know, I think we won a bunch of stuff regionally and it was time for her to take him over. And I said, now it's, now it's your turn. And she says, well, just put a flying change on him. You know, I showed him just second level. So at seven, at the beginning of the season, okay, I'll put it, I'll put a flying change on him. And that stinker, she entered me in a horse show at third level <laughs> and oh. immediately after I put the flying changes on him and I said, well, okay, I'll show him one time, just get a third level <laughs> out of the way. And she just yep. kept entering shows. Like she just kept, and I said, I'm not showing him. This is your year to show him. And she goes, no, I think this is a good idea. I think this is a good idea. Nice. And we ended up winning every single class we entered that entire season, including the regionals, <laughs> high point at the regionals. Wow. And the, the director that was there connected with USCF said, you know, you should, we were at the regionals, um, said you should really consider going to the nationals in Kentucky. And you know, I said, no, that's not, sorry, that's not really, we don't have budget for that. That's, you know, impossible. Mm -hmm. And it just, we ended up going <laughs> and someone, one of my friends set up a GoFundMe and I said, that's silly. You know, there, there's no way it's going to be filled. And it filled in, a, I think 24 hours. Oh, it, wow. the GoFundMe filled. And I said, I guess we're going, you know, <laughs> nice. it happened really fast. And so we ended wow. up going to um, the nationals in Kentucky and we won that we won the warm-up class we won our our class we were high point I believe of Dutch or something it was it was just this amazing year where I had told the owner that I wasn't going to show and instead I, <laughs> we won every single yeah, class the all the way up to nationals and I said okay maybe you're right and then she says now what and I said well we we have to make some really big decisions because this is obviously a, a nice horse and 
what's next. And so that's how things kind of progressed to the point where I got the grant and ended up here. And Mm -hmm. she's just been, I mean, he's 13 now and she's just been this, you know, rock of support from, Mm -hmm. from day one. And, you know, so to me, it feels like whenever I ride, she's riding too. And when I do well, she's, you know, succeeding with me. Mm -hmm. And when we do poorly, she's, she's down there (laughs) feeling it the same way I do. You know, it's not like an owner saying, oh, you failed or, Mm -hmm. oh, there's a threat of, you know, anything bad because the rider did poorly. She's, she's right there with me. She's feeling it as if the, the issue happened to her too, Mm -hmm. as if she was the rider too. It's a very empathetic way of of being an owner. So we're, we're so collaborative in that way. And I'm just, yeah, it's very comfortable. And then it, it's very easy then for the horse to come first because there's mm. never the idea of, well, you didn't, you need to show again, you didn't do well mm. enough, or you need to be, you know, achieving this goal by this date or, or setting mm. something that's about the goal ahead of the horse. And so, you know, I feel so comfortable coming to her with any questions, any concerns, any recommendations, and we collaborate on everything. We talk about, mm. you know, anytime he's going to have any supplement or any medication or, you know, any change to the shoeing, like it's always her and I collaborating on every single piece. I don't, I don't do anything without communicating with her, even though she's across the country so, because she's <laughs> the owner, you know, nothing but happens she's still in California. Her. She is. Yeah. Mm. So that's very challenging, but we talk every, you know, yeah, yeah every day or pretty much and, or text and, and just every detail is, is discussed. You know, I'm not even going to pull a fecal to check for worms without talking to her first, you know, mm-hmm. every single tiny little thing, because she's, she's, she's owner mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. she deserves to be making those choices and, and feeling like she's half of the equation. She's right. not just a side, you know? Right. So, yeah. so it's been really amazing. Um, getting to do that. And, and also I've learned a lot about what it means to be an owner now getting to have that role with my own personal horse, Fortunato, having a rider, you know, and now I'm going, Oh, okay. I understand what it's (laughs) like to be a high performance owner. It's, it's Mm. not easy. (laughs) So, yeah. 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 So let's talk about your horse, like Fortunato. It's also known as tuna, right? And I read also it's known as fish. (laughs) it's so cute Roxy Roxy likes to call him fish but Uh, it's really hysterical because um so Tuna I found him when I thought that Ramses was going to be you know becoming more of of Wendy's ride and my Mm. uh previous Grand Prix horse needed to kind of move on and and be sold and his nickname was fish so my previous Grand Prix horse was named winter star and and I called him starfish and it Mm. turned into fish and so (laughs) I did not name tuna tuna he came with that nickname okay which is too funny yeah Fortunato (laughs) and tuna he came with that nickname so so I was just sitting Wendy and I were actually roommates for a a bit in California and I was just sitting on the couch and scrolling through Facebook this would have been um so seven years ago went right when he was born in the spring Mm. and this picture just comes up on my Facebook and it's him freshly born. You can Mm. see one leg sticking out, beautiful blaze. You know, he hadn't even stood up yet. And I basically stood up on the couch and was like, this is my horse. Oh my God, this is my horse. And I'm like (laughs) screaming it to poor Wendy. And I reach out to the breeder and I say, is this horse available? And she said, yeah, yeah, he's for sale. He's available. And I said, I've got it. I have to have him. I don't, I mean, I need to see him move. I need to make sure he's healthy. Mm-hmm. He needs to stand up all that, but I need to have him. I just, mm. for some crazy reason, that mm. was it. And I just kept talking about him at the barn for mm-hmm. probably a week or two. And finally, one of my clients, she's like, cause I, I didn't have the budget, you know, to, to just yeah. buy a full and you know, horse trainers. We spend all our money on training, mm-hmm. <laughs> getting more training. Right. Right. <laughs> so I didn't have that saved up and, and I had a little bit of money and one of my clients just walked up to me uh, just out of nowhere. I hadn't discussed this with her at all. She said, just, so what, what do you need? And I said, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, how much does he cost? And I said the price and she's like, you'll pay me back and mm, wow. loaned me the money and just, wow. I never would have asked her and, and we're still extremely close oh, nice. and you know, obviously paid her back and, and now it's her, you know, godson basically and <laughs> he I had wanted a stallion prospect and so you never know you know what I mean you never know if they're gonna 
be healthy, if they're going to have good information, good movement, good temperament, any of that. And he just kind of passed each milestone. Like it was no big deal. Just every single step of the way. Just like, I always would call him my golden child because (laughs) I feel like bulls are always trying to, you know, get into a pickle, hurt themselves, get sick, whatever. And he just, he's, I mean, knock on wood at seven Mm. is still just been a pretty darn healthy, easy guy. You know, everything about him is easy. Diet is easy. Stewing is easy. Everything's just the most straightforward. Turnout is easy. Training is easy. Everything is just very standard, very simple. And Mm. so I feel like that's really good, like traits to pass on to the next generations, you know, just a very, very easy, straightforward horse. And, and so each step of the way has just been really a pleasure. And, you know, he got licensed at three and went to Devon and competed Mm -hmm. at three and got a 10 for his walk. And, and it was from a, actually a dressage sport horse judge, who's also a para judge. So really knows Mm -hmm. what you're looking for and walk. And so it was really cool to look back on that and go, my gosh, she had already identified that when he was three, that he had that quality of walk. And then he went back to Devon as a five-year-old and he won every single class he entered every class under saddle wow. every class in hand everything and then he ended up winning grand champion it was unbelievable I mean he literally oh, nice. won every class and I said this is not this is like the best <laughs> day of my life you know like when every star aligns you know it's not yeah. that he was the best horse there I mean there were fantastic horses there he just presented really well you know he's nice. also a fantastic horse but but he was in great company and he just happened to time after time after time of going out into that arena presented perfectly. And it just, that's part of the equation, you know, how they behave Mm -hmm. that day. Mm -hmm. And he's just was a showman. And so he just did amazing for that. And then, you know, when he was six, there was an event happening at the barn we happened to board at. It was a high performance uh, clinic for para riders. And so the para coach was there and Mm -hmm. I just, I knew him already from having a student that competed at the, Uh, Tokyo Paralympics and so I Mm. knew the group really well and you know I said to Michelle I said you know I have a horse that I think eventually will be a nice walk grade one para horse and Mm -hmm. he's got a good temperament he's got a good walk I think he's just got all the pieces and I said you know give me five years or something he's only six (laughs) and I'm telling you in like three months they called me and said we we've got a we've got a rider Uh, Mm. could we try him and I was like that's I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I I just was nervous. Totally I didn't nervous. I I didn't know if he was really going to be what I said he was and he's so young still. And you know what that horse was fantastic and nice. he he was with Roxy who is our world, you know, world leader. She was yeah. our leader at the time as well and mm-hmm. with her with her mount um just just breaking records all over the place and I got to see her do that with uh, her previous horse when we were in Tokyo. So it was really neat to then realize that person was going to be getting on my horse. Like, wow, wow, you know? Nice. And so they competed a few times. It went really well. They got along great and they got picked to be on the, um, on the team to go to the world championships in Herning. Mm. So it was amazing. I mean, he's six years old, breeding stallion, you know, and wow. they medal. They ended up getting a team medal and she, mm. she just, they just got along great. She did a great job and now they're still competing together. And, you know, he's, he's seven, so he's more mature now (laughs) and they'll be competing next season. Uh, You know, it's a Olympic year next year. So it's always that idea of, you know, who's going to kind of come out ready to go and we can never make any, you know, guesses, but I mean, what a cool thing to be thinking he's going to be doing high performance para dressage yeah. during an Olympic year. So mm. even that just makes me want to pinch myself and, and to see <laughs> him succeed. I ride him as well. And uh, mm. my assistant trainer also um, schools him and, you know, he's, he's a really versatile horse. He gets to do open dressage, para dressage and breeding. Okay. So he, wow. he's kind of, kind of doing it all. And it really makes it all very easy. He's, he's a lot of fun. Nice. He's also in Florida, right? He is. Yeah. He lives right next door to Ramsey's and they <laughs> are very jealous of each other at Uh-oh. all times. <laughs> Always. Are they <laughs> in the same barn or different? They are. Yep. They're okay. in the same barn. Yep. <laughs> nice. And I also read that you just got a new called Tarantino. I did. Yes. Right. So I, I was driving home from the festival of champions and we stopped at a gas station and I just happened to see an ad 
And again, I wasn't looking, but I'm always looking, right? With horse, <laughs> horse trainers. I get baby fever every once in a while. And oh. it doesn't happen that, that often anymore. <laughs> um, and I just, I, I messaged her on a whim. You know, I messaged mm-hmm. the breeder on a whim and she was delightful to talk nice. to. And and I told her, I'm, I'm really interested. I'm in the middle of driving. It's like terrible conditions. And so I'm mm-hmm. having... I'm having my passenger like send these messages and he's sending these videos, which I can't watch. And so oh. I'm having her watch the videos and uh, we sent them to another friend to to review and I hadn't even watched the videos yet. And both of them said, this is a good horse, you know? And so I had the, I had Wendy dictate to the reader. I said, we, you know, I want him, please reserve, like whatever I can mm-hmm. do, I, I need to reserve him. And so I hadn't even seen him move when I made an offer. Oh gosh. <laughs> and so now it's been now it's been really fun getting to to really review all of the footage and, mm. and you know, hear more about his personality. And then I connected up with the um, previous owner of the dam and got to see videos of her because obviously that that's half the genetics, right? So getting to see what a fantastic mare that was. And she actually lived in California um, when I was there. And so it's kind of small world. And so, um, yeah, it just really worked out. And, you know, I love getting to work with North American breeders um, just because we, it's, it becomes very easy to stay in touch. Right. It's really lovely to, to get to communicate along the, along the way with them and, and really get to follow the journey. Like Kendra and I have become so yeah. close after having tuna and getting to go to competitions together and be in the winner's circle together with the breeder. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the coolest thing mm-hmm. because, you know, at the breed shows it's, it is to celebrate the breeding. Right. right. And so having yeah. the breeder there and, and, you know, presence truly present is, I think it's just so important to have representation and putting faces to the, to the names we read on the paper, if they're even listed, you know, the breeding and the bloodlines <laughs> and who the breeders are. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, not having big budgets to buy made horses, I end up buying foals and, and training them up. So yeah, this is my next dream is <laughs> Tarantino. Nice. <laughs> Eventually so I, I'll meet him. <laughs> yeah. You haven't met him yet, right? He's not in your barn no. yet or? No, he's not mean yet. So he lives in Nova Scotia. Still, oh, okay. he's in oh, Canada. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. Nice, 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 nice. So you're still providing uh, training lessons. Do you currently have students or are you focusing on riding now? So, yeah, I mostly train horses. That's my uh, oh, passion really is to train the horses and, and compete. But I do have a few students and mm-hmm. I don't take on a ton anymore because I have so many commitments with um, competitions and uh, traveling to teach clinics. And so if I take on a ton, ton of students at home, I feel like I, I will do them a disservice when I'm traveling for competitions. And when we travel now, it's much longer than just like a weekend. So when we went to Herning, it's two weeks. You know, when we went to uh, Tokyo, it was, I want to say six weeks. You know, it's, it's long periods of time where these, you know, clients deserve to still have somebody working with their horses. And so finding a trainer to come in and and cover my time becomes Mm -hmm. really important, but you know, those trainers are busy too. So if Mm -hmm. I have a huge training barn that I'm trying to figure out how to keep taking care of one gone, they end up frustrated. And so Mm -hmm. I'm very, I keep it very small now, Mm -hmm. very limited and really focus on my competition horses and uh, teaching clinics. And I also teach online a fair amount. So I have a yeah, I have a fair amount of um, online students. Oh, nice, so, nice. Yeah, it makes things filled, but I'm not creating an impossible situation right. for clients like, that deserve my attention. Schedule. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And, so, and picking out people that are really in for the long haul, you know, that right. they're in there for the years, not the days. And, mm. and that there's just, I saw really fantastic clients right nice. now. <clears throat> nice, that's great. So what do you find to be the most rewarding aspect of, of this profession of your career? Oh, that's such a good question. I want to say that it's, it's, it's feeling like um, there's always something to work for and always a goal. And there's, there's always a future. I'm always practicing. I'm never there. You know, it's a, it can sound like a negative, but to me, it's really a positive because I like to be pushed. I like to be challenged. I like to feel like there's always the next goal, the next dream. And so putting a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak, of, you know, having 
being in the role of an owner, being in the role of a competitor, you know, being in the role of a, a instructor for mostly high performance horses and riders and, and having different goals, you know, getting, I mean, I got to coach a rider at the Olympics, you know, I mean, what an incredible goal to have reached. And now I've owned a horse that's been a team horse and, you know, now I'd like to compete for my country on a team mm -hmm. as well and, and setting these different goals. And if the goal can't be met, figuring out how to pivot and right. create a new goal mm -hmm. and not feel, you know, like I'm, I failed, you know, mm -hmm. it's now just mm -hmm. shifting. And so yeah. I feel like that's the biggest reward is, is always having something to wake me up in the morning and push me and, and feeling like there's always more I can do. I'm, I've never just gotten there and I've topped out, you know? Mm -hmm. So what are those um, main goals for the rest of this year for and the upcoming winter season there in Wellington? So, yeah, so my goals for this coming season, I guess this year is a little bit over in a way. Yeah. We've got a few, yeah. we have a few shows in the fall, but they're actually going to count Small. towards qualifiers for 2024. So, okay. you know, I have a high performance para horse and I have a high performance horse, of, you know, that I compete on. So right. for both of those horses, really making sure they're fit and sound and able to compete at all of these Olympic qualifiers. Nice. Um, and, you know, obviously we have our little personal, you know, dreams and goals, but um, speaking about it to the outside world, our, our goal is just to be competitive with the other, with the other riders and mm -hmm. hope to be maybe in the top six to eight um, in our divisions, because that, nice. that puts you in a position to maybe be picked for a short list um, for right. the Olympics. So, so setting that a bit as a goal. Um, and then I have some really fantastic client horses. They all are ready to move up a level in competition and, and a couple of students that will be showing. And so mm. just helping each of them, you know, reach their individual goals for that season. But for myself personally, as a competitor and as an owner, those, those are really the goals is, is hitting those qualifiers for nice. Paris. Great. So what advice would you offer to some um, aspiring research writers who would like to reach that level of success that you have achieved in your career? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's probably a different answer every single day. You know, yeah. I think that being a, being a horse trainer is really challenging because we're, um, you're not usually wealthy and, you know, the horse world is expensive. And so right. it's almost probably financially better to go get a business degree to mm -hmm. do something outside or some kind of degree to do something outside of horses that's a stable career and make horses a piece of it. Or, or if you're determined to be a horse trainer, definitely get a business degree because mm -hmm. it's not just about in the saddle, it's about how to create, run and maintain a, a business financially as well. And that's been a struggle for me because that was not my focus. I didn't intend to become a horse trainer. I was going to do <laughs> um, psychology actually. I have undergrad degree and oh. went to graduate school for psychology. So My goal was not to be a horse trainer, but I couldn't say no to the opportunity. And, you know, I think that the advice to give to somebody trying is, you know, put yourself in a situation where you have a chance to succeed. Right. So, right. so if a door opens, if a, if a trainer has an opening for an assistant or a, even somebody to, you know, go and groom or work from the bottom up, it's no job is um, too small. No job is unimportant for me. Anytime I would see, somebody out there, you know, just quietly in the background, sweeping the barn or cleaning a bridle mm -hmm. and, and not, you know, expecting something out of me, like, oh, I showed up, put me on your nicest horse, you know, as, as a working student, you know, we'll, we'll earn it, you know, work hard and, and be happy to be there and be happy to do any task. And the longer you're in somebody's face, the more likely they are to give you an opportunity and, you know, right. then you have to start making your own opportunities, you know, just keep showing as my mom would always say, just keep showing up and, and yeah. not expect, you know, I've now worked for three months, why am I not sitting on the Grand Prix horse practicing pee off? It's just, <laughs> it's not the way it works. You know, mm -hmm. you, Takes you get time. handed the pony or you get handed the horse that has, you know, problems and needs a rehab and you, mm. you treat that horse like a star 
and your your mentor is going to want to then say okay what if i what if i give you one of the young ones and see how far you can take that and it just kind of progresses that way so right. you know putting yourself if you're young and aspiring putting yourself in a situation where you're you know able to be around people doing what you want to be doing and that you have the fortitude to keep working even when it's not glamorous or even when you feel like you're not doing exactly the thing you want to be doing but being being adjacent to those people will get you somewhere. I've seen so many stall cleaners and grooms and, you know, people really working behind the scenes get thrown into the deep end. I mean, one of the first times I ever got to compete at one of the bigger shows in California, I had driven down with Hilda as a groom. I went down there to clean stalls and, you know, mm-hmm. do the back, not even the fancy tacking up the horses. It was cleaning the tack and cleaning the stalls. And I'm back in the barn cleaning the stalls mm-hmm. at the horse show. And one of the client's horses bucked the client off. And I got a phone call, come to the arena with a helmet. And I got to show wow. that horse that weekend. That was the first time wow. I got to show. And so it's literally that way. You prove yourself <laughs> that way, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's very much just, you don't know when that chance will happen. Like me getting the opportunity to ride Ramses. He wasn't he wasn't fancy to start with. We didn't seek him yeah. out, but you know, I built a fantastic relationship with the owner and it just naturally came together. So I don't yes. think every story is going to be like Ramsey's directly, but not yeah. every horse needs to be that, you know, sometimes it'll be a horse that's a, that's a really good kind of stepping stone to prove to a trainer, prove to a mentor that you can train, you know, train anything you know so yeah yeah never know how the success will come and and just keep plugging along basically that's great yeah it's definitely a great advice so other than than research and writing of course are there any um, hobbies or interests that you enjoy to do to unwind sleeping <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's I, a good one to sleep right I really enjoy um kind of trying to go to kind of catching up with friends and trying to do normal things where you're not in riding clothes so nice so mm-hmm. making time for going to brunch or going to the movies or just like the fun nice. little things where you're you're just kind of not a horse person in that moment yeah mm-hmm. it's it's really fun I I don't usually travel unless there's some real important reason, unless there's a competition or unless there's a big event. And so, you know, if a friend, like recently a friend got married and so I really made the time to, to fly to California and not be horsey for a weekend mm-hmm. and get to hang out with her and, and be at the wedding. So, so trying to say yes to, you know, opportunities that are not horse related because it's really easy to say, no, I need to, right. I need to save that money for the next competition or whatever. And, and so, uh, you know, I guess that would be like my free time would be making sure that I'm balancing my life out and, and spending time with friends. That's nice. Yeah. So we also have a, a passion for uh, environmental sustainability. And do you have any ideas or suggestions on how equestrians can embrace environmental sustainability? Oh, really good question. I think that's very complicated in this day and age because everything is single use, right? So we're throwing everything away and not recycling and not thinking about anything past what we're having to have as a convenience. And so I think probably trying to think about how to run a barn in a way that uses, you know, probably less fuel would probably be really smart and less of, you know, the plastic bags for every bag of shavings, looking at the Mm -hmm. amount of waste. So, you know, I know there's some really progressive barns, especially in Europe, that are trying to to eliminate some of those things and and create a more kind of harmonious idea of sticking more with nature. So, yeah, I don't really know. I don't have a very good answer for that, but I really appreciate that that's such an, you know, needs attention yeah. and our world is more than just ourselves you know and and feeling like we're really in the moment and kind of having something that's closer to nature dealing with horses can help us really appreciate you know how we need to not just think of industrialization and and think about progress in that way and going back to maybe a little bit more of a community feeling and and a little throwback to the old times right where we would share produce with our neighbors and you know right. everyone would have a garden and things like that it would be a lot yes. less about mm-hmm. mass producing 
So I grew up that way, actually, mm-hmm. in Hawaii, nice. we're, we're much less about um, single use things, right? Mm-hmm. So everything has to be barged in, and then you only have a certain amount of land for um, waste, right? So so you, you can't use up your, your land for trash, right? And mm-hmm. so figuring out how to live a little bit more naturally and, and in a sustainable way was very natural in Hawaii. So mm-hmm. having solar and having water catchment um, was very common, right? Mm-hmm. And so if it didn't rain for a while, we didn't have water to shower. <laughs> so things <laughs> like that of, okay, well, what, what do we do and how do we how do we survive a little bit on our own, you know, and, and always eating off the garden and we didn't really eat meat. And so, so already living a bit that way was quite natural Mm. in Hawaii. Um, and so I, I love the convenience of the mainland and, and how everything is, but it's, yeah, it is also a lot less, um, thinking about the world as a whole and, and how to preserve it. So yeah, that's a, I don't have a good answer for that, but I, that was, I that was a great it. answer actually. <laughs> <laughs> I love really that good. you're thinking about that and, and somebody needs to for all of us because we are all very selfish <laughs> naturally. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that, that was great. I mean, I didn't, yeah, the, the island, I guess it, it works like that, the, the community and the, and they focus more on sustainability and resilience because of, because of that. And I'm sure it's still that way, right, in Hawaii? In a lot of ways, yeah. Much more than you would see probably a lot of areas here. Less than it used to be, but oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So where can our listeners find more information about you and and, um, what what you've been doing? Oh, so my easiest way to be found is on Instagram under Mm -hmm. Lehua Custard Dressage or on Facebook, um, Lehua Custard Dressage. So it's um, just my name and dressage, very easy. And I (laughs) keep it pretty casual. I just try to, you know, post what's going on in my life and try to connect with people that way. Yeah. Yeah. I love all your posts. So, all right. Uh, It has been so much fun talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. And I I wish you all the best. And I look forward maybe to meet you down in Wellington. I would love that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. We hope you enjoy it. Please remember to follow us, subscribe, and leave us a review. If you are interested in joining us as a guest or sponsor one of our episodes, feel free to email us at thehorsebusinesspodcast at gmail.com. And if you're looking for ways to make your horse operation more sustainable and environmentally friendly, you can reach out to us at horsebusinessmanagement at gmail.com or check out our website at www.horsebusinessmanagement.com. And follow us on Instagram to get the latest updates. Goodbye.